0: Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Movie Club. I am Jazz Zapatos, and if I had to pick a Spice Girl, I would definitely be sporty.
1: And I'm Dan Levine, and when I was a baby, I chipped my tooth on a pool, and my mom stood holding me in the middle of the pool, crying in front of everybody. (laughs) Even though it was a baby tooth, and it was going to grow back anyway. (laughs)
0: I feel like you have a lot of unresolved trauma around your childhood injuries and you like to bring them up here.
1: Yeah. I i mean, this is kind of the only vehicle to do so. so.
0: <laughs> no one else will listen to me. No. In the spirit of being super 90s today, I watched this movie in my mom's house and I'm sick. So it's kind of like the perfect time in case anybody noticed that I'm sounding much sexier on this episode. I'm sick. I'm at my mom's house. So I curled up with a Disney movie that happens to be The
1: Emperor's New Groove. I was not sick and I wasn't at my mom's house, but it felt like I was when I was watching. So
0: it made you feel physically ill.
1: No, it just made me feel like the <laughs> the time when I was
0: spirit of being ill. Yeah,
1: it was the spirit of the 90s and being sick, <laughs> home from school, watching The Emperor's New Groove, which was Awesome. It was great. And like we do in every episode, this is your spoiler warning. And if you haven't seen The Emperor's New Groove, you may not have purchased a blacklight poster from Spencer's, (laughs) which both things are not so great. So, you know, pause the episode, go watch The Emperor's New Groove, go to your nearest Spencer's they're ubiquitous, and then come back and listen.
0: Come back. We'll be here. All right, Dan, let's set the scene.
1: Yes, please.
0: Arrogant young Emperor Cusco is transformed into a llama by his power hungry advisor, the devious diva Yzma. Stranded in the jungle, Cusco's only chance to get back home and reclaim the high life rests with a good-hearted peasant named Pacha. Together, they must return Cusco to the throne before Izma tracks them down and finishes him off.
1: That's exactly right. I think that what's so good about it is nothing about the plot. Like, the plot is fine, but... (laughs) It's all like the wacky, kooky kind of like asides that happen that are the best parts of this movie. It's
0: like how all old fables have been remade about a thousand times as cartoons and they're all very different. Like this could have gone any which way and almost went several which ways. But the way that we have it is great.
1: I like where we landed, but not that many people at first did like it. Kind of a flop. Yeah, there's a fraught history with this movie. So I watched a really interesting YouTube video about how much of a shit show this was. And it's (laughs) fascinating. So this is coming at the end of the Disney Renaissance. So they had a bunch of classics like Snow White, then they had a lull, then they came back strong with Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Lion King. I mean, Lion King is still the highest grossing traditionally animated film ever.
0: Golden Age.
1: Yeah. So they're coming off the back end of this. They start writing this movie called Kingdom of the Sun, which is still set in South America, but it's much more grand than that. It's about an emperor who switches places with a peasant who looks like him. Then advisor Yzma turns him into a llama, and the guy who he switched with falls in love with his fiance. It's like this whole big thing. So it's in the similar vein of, you know, Lion King and things like that, where there are these big grand stories, maybe like Pocahontas. But then Katzenberg and Spielberg created DreamWorks and took all their animators. Disney created Pixar, which is a co-venture, which was digital animation. So they're now competing with two different things, one of which is their own co-venture. Four years in, they had a third of this movie animated and they held a screening and it just bombed. People were like, I don't know what I'm supposed to care about this these are like high executives what i'm supposed to care about this story is Terrible, and I'm just like not having fun.
0: Wasn't it also supposed to be kind of like almost on the same plane as like a Tarzan or a Pocahontas, like a really rich score? Like, didn't they hire Sting to write a bunch of the music for this movie?
1: They did. So that's why we know so much about it, actually, which is really interesting because Elton John did Lion King, Phil Collins crushed it in Tarzan, of course.
0: He went harder than he needed to. He did that for us. So we know you're listening, and we just want to say, Thank you.
1: From the bottom of my heart. So uh, they got Sting on board. He's like writing these songs. The script is getting changed around. He's pissed.
0: You do not piss off Sting. No,
1: I don't know if he's like a badass, but he sure looks like he's got a m- mean scowl on him.
0: I met him once.
1: No, really? How was he? Very handsome?
0: Oh, yeah, of course. I was a seat yeah. filler at the Tonys one year, and it turned out I was sitting in his seat while he was in the bathroom.
1: Whoa. And then
0: he walked up to me, thanked me for my service. I was off, but- It was pretty magical.
1: Did you get a chance to sing Fields of Gold Tim, or? Um,
0: It was like the kind of moment where like time slowed down. We locked eyes and we did that duet in our heads.
1: Oh, oh, cool.
0: But, you know, when we snap back to reality, it was like only a second had passed, you know.
1: But that's the thing about when that happens because time needs to speed up to make up for it.
0: So technically it happened, but, you know, there was nobody there to witness it except for the two of us. And I lost his number, so I'll never be able to confirm this fact.
1: That kind of even makes it more special that it's just between you two, I think. I think so. So Sting's wife starts to make a documentary about this journey. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, it came out. And Disney immediately put the gabosh on it. They were like, this makes us look terrible, but this is kind of why we understand how crazy this process was. So anyway, yeah, it it totally bombs DreamWorks, steals the idea of ancient South American civilization for Rotel Dorado, which was also a smash success. So it's going to happen at the same time, like, you know, when we were talking about ants and a bug's life.
0: Snap, if you so recall this conversation that we had from a prior episode, 10 Things I Hate About You. If you don't, go listen.
1: Yeah. And it might seem like this is a very random movie selection from us every week. No, there's a connecting thread between all these. And and all you internet sleuths out there, you can try to figure it out. Good luck. What happens is they split into two teams and they have two weeks to pitch ideas. And one of them pitched a much simpler story. They just took out Everything. The original was supposed to be Owen Wilson as the counterpart of David Spade.
0: Like the prince and the pauper kind of storyline. Yes,
1: exactly. I think he was supposed to be Mata, who is actually Cusco in the story. Another interesting fact is that they figured out that it means in Japanese vagina. So they just couldn't do that. No one Um, was
0: doing their homework. What a shit show, Disney. You're pissing off Sting. You're pissing off the Japanese.
1: Yeah. I mean, soon there'll be no one left. And
0: Owen Wilson gets canned from the story.
1: Owen Wilson gets canned. I mean, they just- Wow, I'm
0: a llama. (laughs) No, that was great.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow, I'm a llama. Oh, wow. Right. So they strip it down. There's no more love story. There's no more like grand plot or anything. And no more myths. You know, it's not beholden to any, any myths. Yeah, David Spade, when asked why they changed his name, by the way, said, Yeah, I think it means vagina in Japanese. <laughs> and that's not what bothered them. It means bad movie in Turkish. No. No. <laughs> He's a pretty funny guy when he-
0: Double whammy. You know,
1: is in the right setting. I got to
0: say, like this is probably my favorite performance ever for David Spade. And clearly, he was bringing something to the table because I think this is probably maybe the one and only time he was chosen over Owen Wilson.
1: Oh, really? That's a good point. Yeah, because- I mean, I'm assuming. <laughs> when you're behind that animation, you can- look like David Spade and Owen Wilson and you might still pick David Spade.
0: Which is good because then Owen Wilson got to have his success in Disney Pixar's Cars. He's fine. He got his own thing. He's great. Yeah, he's fine.
1: Yeah, I have to say I kind of can't stand David Spade. I love Tommy Boy. Yeah. At any rate, they go with one of the teams that was doing like this, like wackier kind of idea. And because it needs to happen so quickly, they just don't have any oversight. Like it's like anything goes because of this timeline. So the like, full script was never written out. They just like wrote lines. The actors didn't even really know the story because it was so weird and, and kind of like off the cuff because the story was so bare bones. They could like go on these like weird tangents about like the talking squirrel and stuff like that. It just became a much different movie. And so to wrap this up. When Disney had the promotional budget for this movie, they just didn't really trust it and spent it all on 102 Dalmatians, both of which totally flopped. It was terrible. They got beat out by How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Not until 10 years later did they have a hit again with Tangled. Holy shit. So it like ended the Disney renaissance.
0: Emperor's New Groove was like the plague.
1: Oh, and also to tie a bow on the other thing, Sting quit.
0: Which is sad because we could have had a whole song that was like... You remember me? I'm a llama king.
1: <laughs> He's kind of a one-note singer, but that note—oh boy, is that is that effective?
0: It gets you right in the heart, Ooh, like. <laughs> There would have been a lot more emotion to the movie, which I feel like considering how David Spade is just uh, emotionless, you know, I feel like we could have injected a little sting in there, but thank God for John Goodman, right? He's the heart and soul of almost every movie he's in. I
1: love him so much.
0: So let's dive into the creative team, directed by Mark Dindal who also directed Cats Don't Dance and Chicken Little. He provided the voice for Kitty Yzma at the end of the movie, which is a fun tidbit for me. He also wrote the film along with David Reynolds, who worked on the writing team of other films, such as Finding Nemo, Tarzan, Bugs Life, you know, movies that did way better than this one. And then in terms of our cast... We've got Cusco, of course, played by David Spade. He is a Saturday Night Live alum. We also know him from films like Tommy Boy, Joe Dirt, Grown Ups. You know, he's in the whole Adam Sandler crew. He's basically a white trash hero. Pacha, played by John Goodman, who I love this quote. He's got the meat and potatoes, regular guy affability, and easygoing
1: charm. That's true, except when he's like an insane person like in Racing Arizona or something like that. Right, right. He can
0: really do it all. We know him, of course, from Roseanne, Monsters, Inc., The Flintstones as Fred Flintstone, the Big Lebowski, the list goes on and on, both on screen and voiceover work. Cronk, who is just probably my favorite character in this whole movie.
1: It's one of my favorite characters ever.
0: Correct. Played by Patrick Warburton, who's just done a ton of TV and film, a ton of VO work. Perhaps most notable as Elaine's dim-witted boyfriend, Putty on Seinfeld.
1: (laughs) He's so good. It's so good.
0: Yeah, he's got a massive body of work and a massive body.
1: Yeah, that's true. He's huge, just like Kronk. That's
0: right. Really well cast. I think all of the characters look almost exactly like the voices who play
1: them. Except Yzma. Yzma's much prettier and nicer in real life. That's true.
0: Patrick Warburton teamed back up with David Spade on Joe Dirt too. So congrats (laughs) on that masterpiece. I just saved this for last because I am going to go into a little bit more detail for the character of Yzma, played by Eartha Kit. Just because her life is so fascinating, I was kind of blown away. So... Eartha was born on a cotton plantation in South Carolina in 1927. Her mother was of Cherokee and African descent. And though she had little knowledge of her father, it was reported that he was a son of the owner of the plantation where she had been born. She eventually entered the Catherine Dunham Company of Singers and Dancers in her late teens and became an accomplished cabaret singer, scored her first hit with Cole Porter, the song Let's Do It. You know that song. Do I? Birds do it. Bees do it.
1: Oh, yeah. I love that song. Even educated fleas Please or whatever. Yeah. yeah,
0: that was a big one. She was discovered in 1950 by Orson Welles, who cast her as Helen of Troy in his staging of Dr. Faustus. And then this began a long string of film, television, and nightclub work. In 1954, she was in a film called New Faces, which spawned a vinyl EP that included her two signature songs, Si Bon and Santa Baby, the playfully vampish Christmas song that we all know and love today perhaps the most slutty Christmas song of all time. Yeah, I agree. In 1968, her career in the U.S. deteriorated after she made an anti-Vietnam War statement at a White House luncheon. She was investigated by the CIA and effectively blackballed from U.S. film and TV work for years afterward. Ten years later, Kit made a successful return to Broadway in the 1978 original production of the musical Timbuktu, for which she received the first of her two Tony Award nominations. And then, in terms of... Later on down the line, other millennial movie favorites you can find her in include Harriet the Spy and Holes.
1: Wow. What a crazy life. Truly.
0: Like the fact that someone who was born in 1927 was still playing notable roles in millennial movies that we know and love. Yeah.
1: And they're like forcing her to say all of Ysma's weird lines. (laughs) A girl's got to work. Yeah. And she crushed it. She's
0: great. Her and her gross pointy body.
1: Spider eyes and ugh.
0: That's pretty much our creative team. Before we hop into the plot, Dan, I'd love to share just a few reviews that I pulled for you today.
1: I'd love to. Is Roger Ebert in there? Oh yeah, always.
0: First up, Gene Seymour of Newsday writes, the best Warner Brothers cartoon ever created by the Walt Disney Studios. (laughs) Nice. Which I was like, that's exactly what it is. I feel like a lot of people probably didn't respond to this movie because it just doesn't seem like a Disney movie in terms of the animation style Barry slapstick the way the score is is very almost like animaniacs in my
1: opinion they're breaking the fourth wall all the time
0: exactly exactly very like tongue-in-cheek so I think that pretty much sums it up completely Roger Ebert wasn't too hard on the movie, though. He gave it three stars. He writes, The Emperor's new groove began life, I understand, as quite a different kind of movie, a portentous, ambitious Disney feature along the lines of Mulan or Pocahontas. Yeah, we already said that, Roger Ebert. Apparently, that vein didn't yield gold, and some of the original footage was junked, while other scenes were retracted and the original music score was largely shelved. The movie didn't have the technical polish of a film like Tarzan, but is a reminder that the classic cartoon Look is a beloved style of its own. When the Looney Tunes trademark came on the screen at the Kitty Matinee of long ago, the kiddies would cheer in unison because they knew they were going to have unmitigated fun. The Emperor's New Groove evokes the same kind of spirit.
1: Oh, that's true.
0: You just have to take it for what it is. Like you can't watch this movie expecting Pocahontas; you will be sorely disappointed.
1: Yeah, it's a buddy comedy. I mean, like there are a bunch of sweet and great parts in this movie, but there's nothing more to it and it's great it just leaves room for these ridiculous hilarious scenes it's
0: laughing at itself the whole time which at least then you can kind of cut it a break for being very silly
1: very aware of itself
0: someone who was a little disappointed in this movie was Steve D72 whose review is titled this movie needs Jesus he writes my kid likes it but I don't like movies without Jesus in it (laughs) Jesus was in the movie, I would like it more. Everyone needs Jesus. And any movie without Jesus needs Jesus big time. There are
1: a lot of (laughs) movies that don't have Jesus. He's got his work cut out for him. He
0: uses the word Jesus six times in his review. (laughs) There are a lot of movies without Jesus. Like I would imagine you dislike most of cinema.
1: (laughs) He's just at the end of the writing table and everyone's kind of wrapping up. You know, I'd kick myself if I didn't say it. Can we just add a little more Jesus in here or no?
0: They're like, listen, Steve D72, you're a great (laughs) asset to the team, but this is Shrek 2. I just (laughs) don't see where we could possibly fit a Jesus in here. Maybe next time. Yeah. Shrek 3. Shall we head on into the plot?
1: Uh, Before we get into this plot, I just want to say I hate the title of this movie. (laughs) It's so dumb. I really feel like it was a huge detractor. I
0: thought it was going to be a bigger part. Well, first of all, we opened the movie with just a very bold choice of like our protagonist is also the narrator and this is how we're going to tell the story. So interesting. But we open it with a big musical number, the only one of the movie, and well, unless you count the very end of the movie where there's like a wrap-up musical number. But we open with a big musical number in which, like, we're witnessing the Emperor's Groove. That poor old man interrupts his groove and gets thrown <laughs> out the window, and which I was like, out. "Oof, that's a little tough for a children's movie."
1: Just yeeted um, out of that window. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was fine. Okay.
0: You know, so I was like, okay, this whole thing about his groove, like this is probably going to be important. And then we never speak of it again, which to me just sort of shows a bit more of that. We made this movie and then – broke it into a million pieces and trashed half of it and brought more, you know, added new stuff. And so, like, maybe it was a bigger thing in the original version of the movie when we had, like, some more groovy sting music happening or I don't know what. But, yeah, we really kind of chucked the whole groove bit out the window but kept the title. P.S., the old man that got thrown out the window, did you notice anything special about him?
1: He's got a wizard hat on?
0: (laughs) Yes. And which I recognize right away, he is the same voice actor who voices Piglet from Winnie the Pooh.
1: Whoa. Oh. I know. His groove. So we yeah. basically
0: watch Piglet get chucked out of window in the first two minutes of this movie.
1: I wouldn't be too bummed if Piglet got chucked out of a window because Piglet is so light that she can just catch a draft of wind and get taken into the blustery day. So I wouldn't be too bummed about it.
0: That's true. Do we know that Piglet is a girl?
1: Oh, wait, maybe Piglet's a boy.
0: I'm going to Google it right now. Yeah, I don't know. Piglet is a male. The very next Google search is, is Eeyore a girl? And whoever wrote that, come on. Common sense. Yeah,
1: come on. Be real.
0: I feel like Kanga is the only female. Yes. She's a mother.
1: Chris Robin's mom. Never even in it. It's a male dominated forest.
0: The patriarchy is everywhere, even in the 100 acre wood. <laughs> anyway, thanks, John Fiedler, for the VO and a little throwback to Piglet. Rest in power. So, yeah, we're intro to this dickish emperor and his amazing kingdom that's set in ancient South America. Glad we have zero diversity in the cast. <laughs> well, except for Eartha Kit. Yes. Everyone else is as white as it gets. So we meet this emperor. We meet Yzma and Kronk who, you know, they're insinuating that Yzma like every few years boots her little assistant and hires like essentially like a hot new young boyfriend,
1: crony. It's like this year's model is Kronk. Yeah. I mean, I'd climb him like a tree. They give his dimensions later in the film. I wrote it down. He is uh, 66 long and a 31 waist. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's the male ideal.
0: Great right off the bat. I would say this movie largely centers, it's like 50% buddy comedy. The other 50% is like, once women get old, they are useless to you. And old bony crones. <laughs> which I didn't know they reveal not even at the top of the film. But Cusco is just turning 18.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Which
0: also probably explains a lot of why he's a total dick you know he's it's like when people were wondering why justin bieber was acting like a dick and it's like because he's 17 you gave him a billion dollars
1: yeah he thinks he's literally a god yeah it's the same basic principle he doesn't even need to kiss babies he's got a stamp with a lipstick on it (laughs) he just stamps their head
0: for the record Cusco, not justin bieber although justin bieber might have one of those stamps we don't rich enough justin if you're listening and we know that you are you could just let us know Yes. But I mean, one of the first lines he has when he's talking to Yzma is it's like his inner monologue is going, Look at these wrinkles. What is holding this woman together?
1: That's the best. And he immediately
0: one. fires her and just being like, Because
1: you're old. Yeah. It's like it's they have one of those things where like SpongeBob made this really popular where all, the, all of a sudden things <laughs> yeah. are like really detailed in a gross you way. You
0: zoom in too close and everything's disgusting. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, she's like talking and like the sides of her mouth have all these like wrinkles. (laughs) Her eye creases. What is holding this woman together?
0: Yeah, she's got food in her teeth. It's just like it's vile. But again, like this is a 17, 18 year old guy with zero ruling experience and a woman who's probably dedicated her life to politics. And so. In reality- Yeah, it's true. Yeah, she would probably want to have him killed. And if if this was the same kind of storyline that was being played out in like a Game of Thrones, I think we would probably back her.
1: Yeah, depending on her politics probably. Correct. Because it doesn't seem like she has the best interests of the people in mind because she's handing out edicts that are detrimental to the population. Yeah,
0: neither one of them is No, great it's true. Or has much humility. I mean, they're kind of both douchebags. She's just been doing it longer. So Pacha or John Goodman is summoned by the Emperor. You know, Pacha's family has lived on this hilltop for six generations. And of course, Cusco wants to destroy his town and build his private pool or Cusco Topia. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he summons him, which seems like a you know days journey maybe, just to ask him whether the spot is good enough for him to bulldoze and put Cusco topia He's like, Oh man, when the sun hits this ridge, the hills just sink. Right? Like, All right that's all
0: Yzma of course is super pissed for getting fired so we're watching her kind of have a meltdown and oh, man it's just her body is so awkward <laughs> and pointy like I don't know if you noticed but they literally give her like one super pointy boob like yeah. halfway down her torso it's
1: effective they're getting to the point yeah <laughs> to that point she's yeah. old <laughs> I'd like to get to that point too
0: In almost every movie that we've talked about so far daniel like you had some kind of attraction to like the older female character and in-
1: oh that's true and i do i am attracted to pacha's wife okay and she's great okay
0: so we have one in here for you i'm just trying to narrow down your type as we move through this podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so far everything yeah
0: and of course she starts plotting so we have a sound bite that now has gotten super popular on TikTok, which is pull the lever, cronk. <laughs>
1: Wrong lever. Why do we even have that lever? <laughs>
0: Part of me feels like this movie has probably made a massive resurgence lately thanks to TikTok.
1: Yeah, just one of the many reasons we love TikTok. Thanks,
0: TikTok. She's going to find a way to get back at Cusco. And we go down in this super cool roller coaster down to her secret lab, which I was kind of like sad that that was never turned into a real ride. I do that a lot in movies. Whenever there's something where I'm like, why isn't this a ride?
1: I think you more so than me because you're ready for it to get built next door.
0: Right. I was a Disney kid. I no longer live in Florida for the record, so don't look at me. <laughs> Kronk is a little daddy. He's like helping put together this whole dinner. The plan is we're going to poison Cusco. And just get him out of here.
1: 86 Cusco.
0: 86 couscous. they're planning this awkward dinner because obviously like Cusco has already fired Yzma so they're just kind of having like a oh no hard feelings kind of dinner and Kronk is preparing the meal and there's this interesting dynamic between Cusco and Yzma like he's kind of grilling her about how old Kronk is like the way sort of like an estranged mother and son would be talking about her new boyfriend and I mean she does say like I basically raised him it just seems like Mm -hmm. that is the kind of weird relationship they have and I feel like that's something that no kids would have picked up on when he's just like, so how old is he? 25, 24, 25? No. That is
1: a good take. I like that. When he's like, you know, putting together this nice dinner and he's he just loves it. He's taking so much care to put, put together a nice dinner for someone he's going to kill.
0: I never thought of it that way. He's really proud of his spinach puffs. And- <laughs> yeah
1: like isn't something burning (gasps) my spinach puffs
0: (laughs) so we're gonna you know just super easy peasy pour the poison in the drink give him the drink bing boom bang easy done however Kron kind of fucks up the potion he grabs the wrong one and instead he doesn't even like put all of the potion into his glass like he forgets which one he put in so he kind of like mixes them all together dilutes it a little too much and then instead of killing him he turns him into a llama a talking llama
1: When he's coming up to the table and he's trying to make small talk, it's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. He's like, did anyone see that sky today? Talk about blue. He's so pure.
0: (laughs) You know, they frame him as an idiot, but he actually is like very well versed in a multitude of skill sets and languages.
1: He could speak woodland creature. He can cook. He has these like zaps of knowledge where he understands the entire plot, but then he just kind of forgets.
0: Yeah, he has his moments of brilliance. And he doesn't even have to do all that because he's very good looking. And as we know... Oh, it kind of gives you carte blanche in life. That's right. The plan was for Cusco to be dead, and now he's not.
1: A llama? He's supposed to be dead!
0: Yeah, weird. Kronk is ordered to off him once and for all. He goes to toss him off this waterfall, and then we have these great like moments with Kronk's conscience where he's got the <laughs> devil and the angel on his shoulders, which are just other big, hunky, stupid versions of himself.
1: It's so funny, they're like debating one and then I mean, like the devil is kind of like talking shit to the angel, and he's like Plus, look what I could do.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're debating whether or not he should do it. And he's like, but on second thought, it's like a one-handed push-up.
1: Kronk is like, I don't know what that has to do. And then the angel interrupts him. And it's like, no, no, he's got a point.
0: The blind leading the blind. He wimps out from dumping him over the cliff. And then he steps on a cat. I just feel like another sign that this movie was really hastily put together. They're like, how do we get him to like from the waterfall onto the cart, onto Potts' cart? Like, right. I like, I don't know, make him step on a cat. Great, whatever, we're already over a bunch imagine
1: i love it it's not too clever someone said some of the plot points just seemed like they're responding directly to a writer's note it's like yeah but how did he get on the card it's like he just stepped on a cat like i forgot whatever it doesn't matter
0: right it doesn't matter yeah he stepped on a cat you know as an example and they're just like fine put it in yeah whatever. right
1: right put it in we, we've got three days yeah
0: <laughs> sting's already pissed
1: i'm getting screamed at by sting right now i don't need to debate how this llama gets on this card just get him on there
0: Voila. ça. He steps on a cat. Cusco, in a sack, ends up on Pacha's cart as he goes back to his village. Pretty crestfallen because he's learned the fate of his beloved village. Man, when he approaches his village, I just I had that feeling of like, man, Disney movies always make me want to just like quit life and move to some remote countryside quaint village.
1: Me too. He's got those two great kids and that wife and like it's so pretty and I don't even know what he does. I mean, his wife makes like... Ponchos, and he's a farmer, and he is just happy as a clam until Cusco Topia.
0: If anybody, if any listeners out there want to quit life with us and form a quaint little countryside village, just let us know.
1: Yeah, we'll go uh, location scouting wherever we can hear some hills singing. We'll just put a down payment on it.
0: I do know how to crochet, so I could make ponchos.
1: I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know not. <laughs>
0: We can work on that. Yeah, he's got two adorable kids, like really sticking cute, very precocious, and some psychic mediums perhaps, but we can get into that later. I really like his wife. She's like a little firecracker. I can relate to her. I like her a lot. I also clean when I'm angry, which is a trait that she and I share.
1: I do that too. Well, I just clean when I've got too much energy.
0: I exclusively clean when I'm angry and no other time. <laughs> he returns home, greeted by his lovely family, and he chooses to not tell them what the emperor said. We have these narrations from Cusco, fourth wall breaking narrations that interrupt the story. And it's kind of confusing because he's still a dick in those narrations where he pops in is like by the way the story is about me not about him like you know he's still being kind of a little dick so i'm like is he narrating this in real time like he also like has conversations with himself like the narrator himself has conversations with the llama
1: while the story is happening right the llama can hear the narration and also it doesn't really make sense because like i think the thought process might be that he's telling the story that he, like it's at the end and he can retell the story. But he doesn't have the information that the person does at the end. He's not a nicer person. And he another thing like probably someone wrote that down. It's like, I don't really care. I don't think it really matters.
0: Again, like a very Looney Tune style thing. There's not like a lot of foresight there. But John Goodman finds him in the sack. He realizes he's a llama. And totally freaks out. And John Goodman realizes here that he has the upper hand. He can sort of say like, well, you're a llama now, so I'm not going to help you get back home unless you promise not to build your summer house on
1: my hill. Cusco is also making it like abundantly clear. It's like, oh, you could take me back so that they could turn me back and then I can destroy your house. And it's like a very logical like, oh, okay, I just won't do that. (laughs) It's like, how about no? And you could still see him kind of grappling with it. He's like a purely good person.
0: Yeah, like I feel like if this happened in real life in some village in South America, like in reality, this farmer would just be like, my problems are solved. I'm going to chop you up into some prime llama meat
1: and all my problems are over. I don't think I'm a bad person, but I would kill that llama in a second. (laughs) Like he's mean. I'm absolved. You know, Cusco immediately
0: assumes that... John Goodman or Pacha kidnapped him. And it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to go off without you. And even then, Pacha, it's like, don't go into that jungle. It's very dangerous. He can't help himself from going after him to save him. When really, like, you could have just let him walk off and let the Jaguars have him.
1: <laughs> the Jaguars? Yeah, go get him.
0: <laughs> Jaguar. If you don't get that inside joke, go listen to episode three Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. That's on you. Instead of just letting him go out to die, which he could have very easily done, he's a good person, so he's going to save him from the jaguars, swinging in Tarzan style. You know, they're both kind of clumsy, dum-dums, so they get wrapped around a tree branch that breaks off, we fall into a river, and we go over a huge waterfall.
1: This had to be part of the preview because it's so ingrained in my memory. Cusco can't see the waterfall. He's like, let me guess, huge waterfall? <laughs> could have been like, yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom. Yeah, sharp rocks in the bottom of it. Yep. Bring it on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just booyahs right off that clip. This is
0: definitely one of those movies that small children were obnoxiously quoting for months after. Yeah.
1: I'm sure I was one of those. Because I think they had McDonald's toys too. So it was all over the place.
0: This movie came out in 2000.
1: 2000. Okay. Oh, our first 2000 movie.
0: First movie of the 2000s. Lahayim. Wow,
1: we survived Y2K. Well,
0: clearly Disney did not.
1: Disney almost did not. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So our two protagonists are in a bit of a standoff. John Goodman will not bring him back without him changing his mind. We cut to his funeral that Yzma stages for him. And it's pretty much just like, all right, He's dead, back to business as usual, except now Yzma's in charge. So we're painting her face on the whole kingdom and just kind of like moving right along.
1: I actually found this like super satisfying watching them repaint all the stuff and how quickly they're like standing up a whole civilization for Isma. I don't know why I thought this, but I kind of I still thought people would be kinda sad. But I guess he was a jerk and they don't care at all. They
0: were just like, all right, next.
1: Thank you, next.
0: One shitty ruler to another. Yzma takes over the palace. And then shortly thereafter finds out that Cusco is not dead. So she and Kronk need to Search high and low for him to off him once and for all. Pacha's kids have some weirdly prophetic dreams about him which I find a little bit odd. Like they dream about exactly what he's gone through.
1: Yeah, Tipo has a dream about dad was tied to a tree careening down a river of death. And then his sister's like, I dreamed he kissed a llama. (laughs) Another thing that just never really, it doesn't really matter.
0: We don't delve into the fact that his children are essentially wizards, whatever. Finally, you know, Cusco I think, realizes he's just going to need to lie if he's going to get home. So he shakes on it with his little llama hand. Eventually, they kind of have to walk across this really bajiggity bridge.
1: Pacha falls through and then Cusco is just like, I was lying the whole time. Pacha's like, we shook on it. And then he's like, I don't really care. I'm just like a bad person. And then he starts to walk away and then he falls the same way and gets tangled up in that rope and he's like, don't say a word. And now he's outed himself for his true intentions.
0: Right. And they're tussling underneath this bridge. They're Falling to certain death, they're getting attacked by almost every scary animal you could imagine. But they have to work together to save themselves, and that's kind of like their first moment of needing to rely on each other, or showing Cusco sort of the importance of friendship and working together.
1: Yeah, I actually really like that the whole locking arms thing. Right.
0: Well, he even says to John Goodman, like, "How do I know you're not just gonna like grab the rope and let me fall to my death?" And she's like, "You're just gonna have to trust me." Yeah, I shook on and it. I feel like. You know, granted, I'm sure in reality, growing up as an emperor, a young emperor of a ancient civilization, like you've probably had hits out on you several times. I'm sure there are a lot of times where people who you trusted are trying to kill you. So it makes sense that he has like major trust issues and only looks out for himself. That was
1: giving him a lot of credit.
0: <laughs> I tend to do that, don't I? I mean, Yzma, who says basically raised him immediately tries to kill him once he fires her so he doesn't trust anybody and he doesn't look out for anybody else but right after they come off the bridge kind of like the cliff starts to slip away and he kind of instinctively reaches out and saves pacha and pacha's like hi you're kind of a good person and he like doesn't even want to admit it
1: yeah he recoils he doesn't even like the idea that he could be a good person
0: <laughs> i just wrote here This might be David Spade's best work. (laughs) I think he knows it.
1: I don't think Grown Ups 2 is a huge artistic achievement for him, but this, yeah, this is his meat and potatoes.
0: Yzma and Kronk are searching high and low for Cusco through villages and jungles, and luckily, Kronk speaks squirrel, so... They have a whole conversation with a squirrel. This is definitely another moment where the writers are just like, all right, how do we get from A to C? Yeah. Right? Like, how do they get tipped off onto where he is? And they're like, I don't fucking know. He talks to a squirrel. And the squirrel tells him. It's like, sure. Fine.
1: Kronk is like, I was in uh, Junior Chipmunks. So he's like speaking to him. He's like, uh, squeaky, uh, squeak, squeaker, squeaking.
0: Right. Again, they don't put in any effort into creating any kind of believable squirrel language whatsoever.
1: The squirrel understands him when he speaks English too. So I don't even know why they need yeah, to- Yeah, why
0: is it necessary for him to be like, squeaker, squeak, 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 squeak.
1: It's just so funny too. Like Isma's trying to ask him a question. He's like, uh, he doesn't really want to talk to you right now.
0: Can you give us a little space?
1: <laughs> <laughs> backing up. But
0: it was just the device we needed to get this crossover moment where they're both in this diner- eating bugs
1: at a mudkas mudkas meat hut it's the home of the mug of meat so
0: <laughs> the mug of meat
1: everything in this restaurant is putrid it's disgusting
0: decidedly vile just get get yeah.
1: slur- he's like slurping up pill bug and there's like an aroma cloud that comes off of it that's green it
0: kind of reminded me of you know in the lion king where they're like oh we eat grubs and they're like eating all these bugs but they kind of make it feel delicious They, like, make it feel like it would taste good.
1: Yeah. Timon is, like, making kind of, like, a little plate for himself of all the different, like, beautifully colored bugs.
0: I feel like they were kind of trying to do that. It didn't work as well. Any food that you need to drink through a straw that's not a milkshake? Not for me.
1: No, I'll pass. I'll take a uh, mug of meat instead, (laughs) please. So, Pacha and Cusco are trying to get some food, and there's a no llamas sign.
0: Oddly specific.
1: Very, very specific. (laughs) So, Cusco... Dresses up in Pacha's clothes to look like an, a woman and they're on their honeymoon.
0: The waitress makes a joke like, I'm surprised you're out in public. Like, yeah. okay, again, grown up jokes here.
1: Mazel tov.
0: That's South America for you.
1: I'm assuming it means dig in in South American dialect.
0: It means vagina in Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they're on their honeymoon.
1: All of a sudden, Pacha realizes that they're just at the table over while Cusco is going to talk to the chef about how terrible the food is. And Kronk comes up to him and he's like, don't I know you? And he's like giving him all these different options of where he might know him. One of which is Miss Narka's interpretive dance two semesters. I was usually in the back because of my weak ankles. (laughs) (laughs)
0: This man has lived a life.
1: Yeah, he's a well-rounded individual. But yeah,
0: we don't get this great slopsticky scene where Kronk is taking over for the chef. And Kuzka and Yzma are in and out of the revolving kitchen door, giving him different orders. Pacha is trying to get him <laughs> out of there. It's just a hot mess, but it's very enjoyable.
1: Kronk just gets stuck with this responsibility. He's like
0: a really good diner chef.
1: The waitress like starts reeling off this huge order. And he's like, three pinkers wearing pants, plate of hot air. <laughs> basket of grandma's <laughs> breakfast and change the bowl to a gill. Got it.
0: <laughs> right. You're just not expecting it at all. And then you're just like, of course he can. They eventually gave Kronk his own movie. I think they just realized like, yeah, no shit. He's the best part of this. Yeah,
1: he is. He's the best part. Which
0: we'll have to do that movie on another episode, perhaps.
1: I've never seen it. I've heard only bad things. Great. so Looking forward.
0: Pacha eventually gets Cusco out of there and is trying to tell him Yzma and Kronk are trying to kidnap him again to kill him. You know, they just have ill intentions and Cusco does not want to hear it. He's just like, they're going to change me back again because he's very
1: self-involved. He thinks that they're his friends, which is really sad.
0: Yeah. But of course, he very shortly after overhears them talking about killing him and sees that Pacha was right. And it's just like, I think that's a very humbling moment for him.
1: So he ventures out into the forest, very dejected. It starts raining. And this is kind of the first scene in the movie, we're coming back to it, where he's this like little poor little llama just kind of crying in the rain and his like little hooves Make me so sad, and they're like curled up. And this is where he, you know, the narrator is trying to like tell them, like, see, this wasn't my fault. And then Cusco interrupts himself. It's like, give us a break, buddy. Like, they saw the whole thing. Yeah,
0: he's even tired of his own behavior.
1: Yeah, he's over his own shit. I think he's starting to get it.
0: Somewhere else in the forest or the jungle, I wrote, giant man pitches baby tent. <laughs>
1: Right over his crotch. <laughs> yeah, which
0: is kind of ironic because the turn of phrase, pitching a tent, he literally has a tiny tent pitched right over his dick.
1: I have to think that that's on purpose. It's got to be, uh, right? Yeah, it got to be. Finally
0: has this realization of where he recognizes Pacha from and wakes up Yzma <laughs> oh in the God. night who's just bald and terrifying. The way he recoils from her <laughs> is like when somebody sees the beast in Beauty and the Beast for the first time. Like, just like the. Ah horror look of horror she's just a balls lady she's probably realistically in her 60s or 70s it's got
1: it i mean what's holding that woman together i don't know
0: which I mean, back in the back in ancient times, like I guess to live past thirty, life expectancy was right. So in twenty-one in ancient times, <laughs> yeah. she's realistically like hundred and forty years old.
1: Right. He wakes from his slumber and he starts to put some things together. He's like, oh, "Patron at the diner, he didn't pay his check." And then he goes back to sleep. And then it starts zooming out, and they do this a couple of times in the movie where it like zooms out and zooms back in really fast, or like the camera zooms out too far.
0: There are a lot of devices here like that where it's either like with the camera work or. or or, you know the supposed camera work or like angles but did you notice they also they're very tongue in cheek about that but they're also very tongue in cheek about the sound design in this where like they'll take a sound bite and just like loop it in a way that it's very obvious that it's looping
1: like when cronk is doing his own theme song and he's against the wall he's like ay, 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 ay. <laughs>
0: yes they do that a few times and i'm just like that's a choice but I, you just don't see that very often in a way that's not like a funny internet video yeah
1: they do it to great comic effect and i feel i do feel like it was ahead of its time. I think people recognized how funny that was. I mean, I'm sure that there's instances of that, but just the free range that they had and being a Disney movie, like it reached a huge audience. And I do think it kind of changed the way people thought that they could do animation.
0: So off the beaten path of a standard Disney movie, at least what they were up until that time.
1: They zoom back in, Kronk does realize that was the villager with the cart. That's where Cusco is. And then comes the most famous meme, which is, oh, yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> That's the- Yeah,
0: this movie is really taken
1: over pop culture.
0: I bet Gen Z thinks they invented it, but they didn't.
1: You didn't invent everything.
0: Cusco decides he's going to join some llamas living their best life in a pasture. He's like, well, this is my life now, so I better embrace it, eat some grass. But he reunites with Pacha, and their friendship is kind of cemented. Meanwhile, Isma and Kronk go to Pacha's house to find Cusco and snoop around, and Pacha's wife is there kind of being like, know about these
1: people yeah she's got good instincts so pacha and Cusco are going back to the house and they talk to these two villagers you're like oh your aunt and uncle or something or their
0: relatives are here
1: yeah your relatives are here and he's like uh oh, what did they look like it's like well one big guy and uh what would you call that person it's like scary beyond all reason. It's like yeah that's it
0: <laughs> <laughs> she gets such a bad rap pacha communicates like hey these are some bad guys. We got to get them out of here. And then we get this very Looney Tunes sequence as they try to kick them out of the house. Isma's gonna break the door down, but then she runs out the door and slips on a floor and goes into a <laughs> wheelbarrow and goes down a hill and goes through some feathers and glue and then goes and then she becomes a piñata and children are smacking her with bats. Like it's just like that was when I was really like. This is not a Disney movie. From that point on, it really felt like we fully exited the Disney universe.
1: I mean, they're throwing everything at this movie at this point. Like, they're just like, whatever you want to put in, all the pots and pans, the rest of the movie is just totally ridiculous. Yes.
0: And like, they're acknowledging it more and more. It's almost like the characters are apologizing for the writers.
1: Yeah, I love that. Like,
0: they go on a wild goose chase. Pacha and Cusco are like, we got to go back to her crazy lab and get the potion that'll turn me back into a human. And there's, you know, they're kind of chasing each other. And then they get there, they go down the cool roller coaster. Somehow Kronk and Izma they've made it back before them. And they even acknowledge, they're like, how did you get back before us? And they don't even try to give a reason. They just acknowledge the plot hole.
1: I mean, Kronk just pulls down a map and it's like, by all reason, it just doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> they're not even going to try to qualify this. We're in the 11th hour here. Someone
1: said they literally fell through a plot hole. Correct.
0: And then oh my god this moment where i'm just like not suitable for children and also it's just brutal where yzma starts pulling up her dress to reveal something where they're making it look like she's just gonna expose her ancient vagina to everyone to (laughs) which they're all screaming in fear and then it's ends up being like a dagger and they're her leg and they're like oh thank god
1: (laughs) relieved
0: Christ, now like an old lady's vagina is more terrifying than an actual weapon.
1: I love that part. It's so funny. All of them are so happy that it's just a deadly weapon. Yeah,
0: I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Vaginas are weapons too. (laughs) It's in a different way. Oh,
1: good point. Maybe they're making a commentary on something, yeah. I
0: think they're just making a commentary on when women are old, we're disgusting.
1: <laughs> Specifically Yzma. I
0: mean, come on. Like, old man balls are pretty gross, too.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I mean, I should be real with the fact that I've never actually seen a pair of old balls. Uh,
1: I don't have them, but I'm sure, like, I can kind of see into the future a little bit and not going to be great.
0: We will check back and confirm this on episode 35,000 of Millennial Movie Club.
1: I will set a reminder
0: I have something that night I've already moved it twice
1: Oh yeah I can't move it Devils on his shoulder, he's like, "Wait, where's the other guy?" And so he needs to catch the angel up on like what's been going on, and he's like describing the whole plot, and the other characters are just watching him talk to his shoulders.
0: Ultimately, he does turn on her to do the right thing.
1: It's because Isma starts talking shit to him. It's like, "You couldn't even kill this llama. You're a big dumb idiot, and I hate your spinach puffs." And he starts crying. The devil's like, "No, that's it."
0: In reality, too, like, she's probably taking a good deal of advantage of him. I'm sure not only is she riding around on his back, they're probably getting it on in a really gross way.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm sure Kronk is great at it because he's great at everything.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Where's that film?
1: Yeah. yeah, Kronk's new, new groove.
0: Kronk's under the pants groove. (laughs) If anybody who's listening knows of any kind of like porn, no, that was me. It was like an Emperor's New Groove spinoff porn. Let us know.
1: Emperor's New Groove, rule nine stuff. Just uh, send it to our email address and that's jazzzapatos at gmail.com.
0: Not a real email. Cronk in the trunk.
1: Cronk in the trunk.
0: <laughs> the Emperor's New
1: Splooge. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> your, your like sick laugh here makes this even more creepy. It's like the Emperor's new sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> With my last breath. Yeah. I want the world to know one last thing. Please make the Emperor's new
0: sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> my dying wish. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, mom. For the record, my mom loves this podcast, so I'm going to stop apologizing.
1: My parents do too.
0: What did your dad say? We had great chemistry.
1: Yeah, he loves it. He's a great guy.
0: Hey, Dan. Hi. Kronk slices a rope that's holding up a big chandelier. It drops on Yzma, but she's just so skinny and sharp that it kind of misses her altogether. All of the potions. First of all, I don't know why she has so many different potions to turn people into different animals. Like That just seems like a waste of good potion. Yeah. They all get mixed together and they're all unfortunately the same color so we just need to gather them all
1: up and it's established that she doesn't label her potions very well because of the, at the beginning the reason why cronk takes the wrong potion is because the label got folded down in a certain way that looked like a skull and if you flip it up it's a llama
0: all of the guards are called in they're all turned into animals <laughs> i love how there's the one guard like they're all turned into animals every single one of them and the one guard is like um i got turned into a cow can i be excused for the day and she's like yes yes go on anybody else and they're like no i'm no, good no yeah, yeah. we're good <laughs> i just was, i thought that was so fucking funny
1: i mean one of them's just like an octopus right. like what? Are you- <laughs> they're all
0: just trying to use their new skill sets to get the job done
1: yeah that's true Cusco's taking potion after potion trying to find the one that's a, a human he's changing into a turtle tries another one it's like please let this be a bird and it's like a small parrot he's changed into a whale and it collapses the bridge and he's still all the while getting chased by these other characters there's this really funny moment when they kind of fall through like a a funnel out into the outside all the guards are like come on men no one lives forever and they just
0: jump to their deaths
1: god yeah
0: he and yzma kind of collide and she is turned into a kitten which i she's so much cuter that way
1: yeah yzma tries to get this bottle she finally asks the bottle to change herself back into a human, the only human serum. And she, her little cat paws can't get it open. So she throws it off of the wall and it goes off the cliff. Then somehow Yzma follows. She falls as well. And the next scene is the two guys. It's like, I don't know how many times I have to tell you, buddy, we didn't order 60 extra large trampolines. Well, I wish you would have
0: <laughs> told me that before I set it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So convenient. So the vial bounces off.
0: Again, a moment of how does she fall off and not die? Giant trampoline? Yeah, let's go with that. I just
1: love it. The vial hits the trampoline. It bounces back up. She's got it now. Now she bounces off the trampoline. She's coming all the way back up to the top.
0: Kronk opens like a window and smashes her against the wall.
1: Oh, right. And he's like, what are the odds that this window would lead out to here?
0: Cusco once and for all gets the vial. We cut to him. He's back in human form. He apologizes to Piglet. It's pretty nice. It seems that he needed to become a llama to gain some humility and deeper sense of humanity and decides he's going to build cuscotopia topia elsewhere, which really then evolves into him just building a house right next door to Pacha. You tell he gets super close with the family. They're having their version of a pool party is a waterfall in the rainforest party and just realizes that friendship is more important than things.
1: Yeah, I mean, Pacha's wife makes him a poncho. He loves the kids. He's just having a great time. The one thing I was con- kind of confused about here, Sting quit. This
0: was my next note.
1: Really? So, okay. So Sting, even after all the, the changes of everything, like the reason why he quit was because Cusco is not not building Cusco-topia. He's just building it on the next hill over. So Sting is like this staunch environmentalist. And he's like, no, the whole point is that he learns that he shouldn't do this. But then while they're writing it, the writers were like, you know what? He's actually got a point. So they changed the ending. But it's actually not in the script. The script says he's like, you know what? I'm just going to build it on the, the hill over then he doesn't do it. He
0: just builds like a quaint little house next to their house.
1: Oh, I thought it was just like a changing room.
0: Oh, I just saw him like stepping out of his house. No,
1: you're probably right. Yeah, I'm very confused because the water slides and stuff are still there. But
0: is it a water slide? It just to me, I just took it as it was just like a natural waterfall.
1: Oh, maybe. At any rate, I don't think they screwed up nature, but they also just don't really talk about it.
0: They don't. He's just like, I'm going to build it elsewhere. And then he has a tiny little house next door, which is really all you need. You're in nature's water park now, baby.
1: Wow, nice.
0: Then they have like another kind of fun little musical sequence. Then the movie kind of ends abruptly. We're brought into the credits. And it's a really unfitting song for the credits, sung by Sting, who I thought quit. So, like, they just included one of Sting's songs in there in the credits. It's, like, on the same level of emotion as, like, Taylor Zola's yeah. Like, it's very, uh, like, it's a very kind of somber emotional song that just does not fit the tone of the movie at all. Like, they were just like, oh, we're just going to use the old credits song before we rewrote the whole thing.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. Because the song before that is really upbeat.
0: It's like the little Barry Manilow guy that's there throughout. Yes,
1: who is played by Tom Jones. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Duh, that makes sense. Right. And he sings that song, Perfect World. The Perfect World Belongs to You, something like that. Yeah. And there you have it, folks. Any overall thoughts?
0: It's not a movie that makes you care a ton about the characters Mm -mm. and there's some commentary on aging women that i clearly don't love (laughs) yeah but i do value a good buddy comedy and i do value john goodman above all else and the fact that he i feel like if anybody could make david spade a little less of a trash person it's gotta be him and you always like to see a shitty person come around right like it's always gratifying So, you know, I think it would have been a very different movie and I wonder what that movie would have been if we were having kind of like big musical sequences like a Mulan or a Tarzan. And so the fact that it's not in there does make it slightly less epic in my mind. Like I don't consider it one of the classics, Mm -hmm. but I do think it is underrated. And I do think the fact that it's coming back around, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have to say I could watch this movie Anytime, anywhere.
0: It's light, like
1: fluffy. it's it's that for me. It's so. Funny, And I get something different from it every single time. There's these like small little, I guess you'd call it like Easter eggs, but it's these like Mm -hmm. small little jokes, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I just think it's so hilarious. Like when we were talking uh, last episode about 10 Things I Hate About You and why it's such a classic, one of the reasons we were talking about was because the cast had so much fun together making it. And I really feel like you leave this movie and it's like the writers just had so much fun fun doing whatever they wanted. And of course, for four years before then, it had to be total chaos for it to make it to that because then they had, like, as you say, carte blanche, they could do what they want because (laughs) they just needed to deliver. After that, they tightened the clamps on the creative process. And I don't really think that they came up with a comedy that's quite like this.
0: Yeah, I don't know even since then. I don't know that they've made a movie quite in this style before. You said like the next one was Tangled, like again they they really went back to kind of their classic animation yeah, style. The songs, the, you know, just sort of the epic Disney feeling and so this is kind of like a standalone in my mind that yeah, it's just fairly enjoyable and I wonder like if, if they were in such crunch time like if this was just a product of giving a creative team the right to just be like, just say fuck it at almost every turn <laughs> and this is what you get. <laughs> but that, yeah, it's, it's fun
1: regardless. It's really fun. And then like right after this, Pixar starts kicking ass and they just never take their foot off the gas so it's just kind of the last hurrah in a way and it just was the signal for an end of like these amazing movies real animation traditional animation and then everything went digital
0: also the end of our childhoods
1: and that was the end that was the last time i was happy
0: that's why we're still attached to this it's like the last gasping breaths (laughs) of our childhood your last wish emperor snooze bluge okay (laughs)
1: All right, so what do you give this movie? What do what do you got? On
0: a scale of one to ten, I give this movie six and a half ponchos.
1: I will give this movie seven and a half oinkers wearing pants.
0: (laughs) Did you plan that ahead of time?
1: I didn't. I just looked at it. It's really good. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Thanks for joining us today, folks. And we're now several episodes deep. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, go ahead and. give us a rating, give us some sweet, sweet reviews. It means more to us than you know. And anybody who writes a particularly funny review will read it out on the show and credit you and let people know that you're funny too.
1: Please really do give us recommendations for what you want to hear. I mean, we're listening to all of them and we've already gotten some really odd requests. So I'd be really interested to hear what everyone would like to revisit.
0: Right. This podcast is for you. So let us know what you want to hear about. For the people. Podcast
1: for the peoples. (laughs)
0: See you next week on Millennial Movie Club.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club.
0: If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review.
1: We are millennials. We kind of need the validation.
0: For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later Later days. days.